For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. All right, what is going on, people? You know that sound is the unfiltered band means, yes, another episode of Unfiltered coming your way here and now. This will officially go down as the return episode, episode number 207 of Unfiltered. You can catch up with us here at Unfiltered on the Believe Network 24-7, 365 on Twitter or X, if you will, at Casey Stern over on the YouTube channel, which you could find in the bio over there. Get all of the 206, now 207 episodes, guests, lists, interviews, questions, and conversations all across the board. And thank you to the Unfiltered Band for joining us. And thank you for being here as well. And apologies at first uh, for the sabbatical as uh, we'll get into a lot here today. We'll get into the postseason and where we're at as of now, as I do this here on a Wednesday morning uh, on October the 11th. So obviously all those things are fluid. So we'll we'll touch on some of the postseason series. We'll get into some of the breakdown of that. I also want to get into some of the teams that are not in the postseason, either ousted or disappointing, didn't make it anywhere close to it. Some of the storylines I've been following here while I've been out the last few weeks on all of that, get into some other sports, maybe even on the back end and some life stuff as well. I'd appreciate you. We always appreciate the ability to be with you. Thanks to our good friends at Bet Online. Bet Online, your number one source for all your betting needs. Latest odds, lines, and matchup reports for baseball, boxing, golf, and more. Bet Online continues to be the fastest and easiest way to get all your wagers, live betting, favorite casino, and card games. They're available to play right from your phone right now. So get over there, get to the website, use your mobile device to sign up today. Get in on the action. Remember to use the promo code BELIEVE. That's B L E A V. 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. It's Bet Online where the game starts. You know, it's funny because I'm always kind of transparent about this, uh, about everything, really. But after doing this for what, 20 years, I, I always say, people always ask, like, do you get nervous? And I, I always, at every show I ever did that was big or I felt big, whether it was on the radio or on TV, always kind of felt those. And that's how you know you care and that excitement, that anticipation. And even just having the six, seven weeks or whatever it's been since I've done one of these, I feel some of that now. So bear with me as we kind of get through that. In here, podcast setup 3.0, which you notice behind me. That's part of why I have not been here going through a move. For those of you who have moved, and we all have, I go back to that movie in the 80s, The Money Pit, where they uh, talk about things will be ready in two weeks. We're trying to get still Wi-Fi settled and a lot of things here as I went through yet another move. So kind of bear with me and appreciate as uh, life gets in the way for all of us. You uh, allow me to take a little sabbatical to get uh, some things in order and get back to you here in the new spot for this podcast for episode number 207. Let's start in the postseason. First of all, congrats to the Texas Rangers last night, moving on to the ALCS. I remember when I saw that crowd yesterday covering in 2010 and 2011 and being there at the time for Sirius XM and, and being down on the field and watching that environment and, and thinking about how many people talk about, well, you know, Dallas and Texas and that area, that's a football town. It's always going to be a football town with the Dallas Cowboys. 
But man, that environment, you could feel that. I mean, it was palpable through the television, watching it here last night at home and just remembering what that was like. I remember we were doing our post game and we were sitting there watching everybody celebrate after the Rangers had made their their first World Series in those two runs. And I remember acknowledging on the air live, looking up at the crowd, just how amazing everything was in terms of the environment, the feel, the passion, and the love that you got from that fan base in that Dallas-Fort Worth area and in Texas for the Rangers. So great to see that yesterday. And what it really made me think about, because you can talk about all the different players and all the things that have gone on, and now whether or not we'll get Scherzer in the next round as he has a throw today in a simulated effort, so we'll see about that. But how do you not think about Bruce Bochy? You can go back to episodes of this podcast and anywhere where I had talked before this year began. And when that move happened and Bruce Bochy came in, I knew immediately that this team was going to resurrect and start heading towards being a postseason contender. Did I think it was going to be in a league championship series this soon? No. Did I think they'd be set up now one win away for Houston's end from a battle of Texas, which would just be amazing, especially after all the battles they had this season and the rivalry and all of that? No. Admittedly, I didn't think that was possible. I didn't think they'd do it this soon. But managers often get misread. Coaches get misread. And I've often said this for years. It's because we give too much credit where we shouldn't and not enough credit where we should. And this is one of the cases where you give the credit that it's due. And that is not because Bruce Bochy, who's a, you know, a no doubt Hall of Fame manager, and I've said for a long time, and look, you know, I love Dusty Baker to death, um, you know, it, from Dave Roberts to many, many others, uh, and Terry Francona, who and Tito, who I covered, and then had on my show as a guest weekly for a number of years. Got relationships and or know a lot of great managers that I've covered. But Bruce Bochy, I've always said, is the best manager that I ever covered. And that's not just because of the X's and O's, and it's not just because of the managing of people, but it's because of his ability to do those things equally well. You get a lot of managers who, guys, if you think about it, guys and gals, that are really, really good on the X's and O's side, and they really understand the game, and they don't have that feel. They don't have that feel for people in their dugout. They don't have that feel for people in the organization behind the scenes. They don't have that feel when it comes to what they need to then elevate all that knowledge to the next level. Bruce Bochy's got all of that and all the X's and O's, and as good a bullpen manager as we've got in the game. I, I often laugh, and I said this if you go back to a podcast episode when he was hired. I remember Giant fans who were sitting there and getting on him because of that series, which was maybe their last kind of big shot, where they were, what, up two games, I think, in a five-game set, right, in the division series against the Cubs and lost three in a row. And he put out the same names, my guy Serge and and, you know, Casilla and, and all the guys, Machi and all the guys that he had had, and they just weren't getting it done. I mean, Bruce Bochy, part of the reason why we got the three batter rule, because he was going to making those changes, seemingly every hitter trying to find those matchups. And it wasn't that people were getting on him in San Francisco. It wasn't because Bruce Bochy forgot how to manage. It wasn't because Bruce Bochy all of a sudden didn't understand how to handle a bullpen. It was because Bruce Bochy couldn't make them pitch well. All you can do is it's perception versus reality is make the moves that are best for you. And a lot of times managers will make all the right moves to go back to an old speaking of eighties flicks and then all the wrong things will happen. And in a lot of cases that can even happen to the best in the league. And Bruce Bochy was pushing the same buttons, but they just weren't coming out roses anymore. That Midas touch seemed like it wasn't working anymore, but the way that Bruce Bochy can impact and change 
and infiltrate and create a culture and the importance of that word that cannot absolutely cannot be overrated. It can't be overstated. We've seen it with Texas and congratulations to the Rangers who move on to the LCS on the national league side. We knew this Braves Philly series as it goes now one, one, as we head into game three in Philadelphia tonight, as I do this. And again, all those things are fluid depending upon when you watch or listen to this Apple, Spotify, everywhere you get your podcast, the believe network or on video on YouTube on my channel. But we, we know, obviously, that, and everybody knows here in Atlanta where I live, and talking to people from, you know, uh, you know coaches on my, my kids' baseball team to, you know, parents to people that I, I, I meet at work or see, everybody talking about the fact that the Phillies were that dangerous team that Atlanta didn't want to see, and not just because they knocked them off last year in the postseason, but we knew that that was going to be the matchup. And, oh, baby, has that played out over the first two games. What an unbelievable finish. Can't say it up about the swing from Darno and what he's done. I remember being there covering it at TBS at the time when he hit the apple with the big home run when they swept the Cubs when he was a Met. He cuts the lead to 4-3. to three. Riley, the big home run. Harris, what a big play that is on the double up. And, you know, and people having fun now with Arcia saying, you know, that a boy Harper getting doubled up. But, you know, I don't think anybody thought that catch was getting made at that point. It's a phenomenal play. I'm not getting on the runner. I'm getting on the player and saying, wow, that's just phenomenal baseball in every respect. And we've got a great series ahead of us. Stay tuned. Dodgers look to be done. Dodgers look to be done in, in a lot of ways. Look, Dodgers got to give them a lot of credit with all the pitching issues that they had, the starting pitching issues that they had. You can go back to the beginning of the season before this year, and a lot of us looked at it. They lost the law firm of Turner and Turner. It wasn't the same kind of off-season spending that we used to see from the Dodgers, and it's hard to kind of compute that when you've got years prior where they had Freddie Freeman and prior to that, Mookie Betts, and you can't do those sorts of things every year. But a couple of things stand out to me about this Dodger team that it doesn't surprise me now sitting there on the on the uh, the darkness edge of the end of town, edge of town, if you will, to use the Bruce term, and town being the golf course, down 2-0 in this series. Let's start with Clayton Kershaw. I've long time been a defender of Clayton Kershaw, who shouldn't need defenders, because he's one of the great examples of baseball that we have seen really in my lifetime, and I'm going to be 45 here in a week, less than a week now. And... He, he does that in the way he has performed and the consistency in that the way that he's performed, the way he's battled back from injury, the way he's always wanted to be on the mound, and the way he has performed after he has had failures and successes and equally been representative of absolutely everything and anything you want from a baseball player and from a person. But Clayton Kershaw getting shelled in that spot continued a narrative that is going to stay with him. Nobody cares if a boxer has, you know, I, I'll get into possibly maybe on this podcast, maybe not on the tail end, you know, Volkanovsky, who's a savage. If you're a UFC fan and I'm a nut now, he's noticed taking this fight. But if he loses Islam, he's not getting a third fight, even though everybody would understand he's going up a weight class. He's got short notice. I mean, he, he was competitive and it was a great fight, but he didn't win the first time. Who knows whether or not he can go ahead and win anyway, even on full tilt, if he had months and months of preparation to, to get in there for Islam Mahachev. But nobody's going to care. At the end of the day, all they'll remember is that he lost twice. Now, nobody's going to care that this isn't a version of Clayton Kershaw that can be the old Clayton Kershaw because it can't. Physically, especially when you're dealing with back issues and everything he's gone through in his career, especially the last couple of years, you can't be at that point. But nobody's going to remember that. That's not going to be the rhetoric. The rhetoric is going to be, here we go again with Clayton Kershaw. 
And it's a sad story to me. And I know people who say, well, that's you know ridiculous because the best is supposed to perform the best. And maybe it is ridiculous. Maybe I'm just too sentimental in my old age. And I am certainly be have become that over the last couple of years, especially. But at the end of the day, it's a sad story. And it's a sad story because Clayton Kershaw can't perform his best. And because this shouldn't be the sole rhetoric. But it does have to be tied to his name. Yes. Does it have to tag with him? Yes. Does it have to be in the back of the baseball card? Yes. Does it have to be in the Wikipedia profile? Yes. Have to be in the X or the Twitter bio? Absolutely does. Absolutely does. But I, I always bring this up. There were times where if Don Mattingly had any bridge to the bullpen between Kershaw and Kenley Jansen, he's not there getting shelled by Matt Carpenter and the, and the Cardinals in the fifth, sixth inning, especially in the way we handle things now, which we'll get to foreshadowing, lead ahead, teasing on the Barrios nonsense. But where you get pulled, you can't go three times through an order. If we were dealing through that way against the Cardinals in some of those series, he didn't have those numbers. I'm sitting there covering it for Turner years ago. Clayton Kershaw is against the Nationals. He comes in out of the bullpen, right, in a spot where it seemed to be predetermined that he was going to face three hitters, and which is ridiculous. And that, again, goes back to foreshadowing. We'll get into it with the Jays. Whether or not organizations, whether they admit it or not, because they never admit it, should be you know, dealing in analytics to the extent where they're scripting this like it's an all-star game. But Clayton Kershaw gets Adam Eaton out with a base runner on, and I can't remember runner in scoring position possibly in a close game. And you know, look, some of the details phased me out from a few years ago, but I remember sitting there watching it with, with Chef, with Gary, and we were sitting there watching this game, and as soon as they went to commercial on our air, I, he said to me, he said, if he stays out there, he's going to give up home runs, and he's going to get get bit by Soto and Rendon. I don't remember the order, but I think both got him. And that was the end of that. And then again, it's Clayton Kershaw failed, but he should have never been in there. The fact that he came in there out of the bullpen, runner on in that spot, got it out, get him out. That should have been it for his night. That's it. But they kept him in, and that's all she wrote. So the rhetoric, not all his fault. I know most of you are not going to care about that. Definitely hit me up. What are your thoughts on Clayton Kershaw? Get me on Twitter or X, if you will, at Casey Stern. Get in the comments here on YouTube for the channel. I'm curious whether you're a Dodger fan or not, how you feel about that. The other thing on the Dodgers quickly, I love David Peralta. All right. I remember interviewing him many times in spring training during the spring training tours we did with uh, MLB Network Radio when I was at XM with Arizona. And he's a great dude. But that scene, you want to talk about bad optics. You want to talk about a bad look. That scene where he's down 9 nothing in the bottom of the second inning and basically to all extents, intents and purposes, you know, high-stepping down the sideline, down 35 points like an idiot, dancing at second base. Now, I get you're trying to fire your team up. You want to clap and say, let's go, let's go, let's go, or whatever you want to do to fire up your team, I'm all into that. I'm all into it. But the idea that he's sitting there dancing, you can't get more embarrassing than that. That was a terrible look. That's terrible for an athlete. That's terrible for that team. And what the hell is that? I wouldn't even want that in Little League where my kid is playing, let alone at the big league level. What in the hell was that? Now, we used to have a penalty box years ago on my show, if you watched uh, or listened to Inside Pitch, called The Penalty Box. This uh, segment every Friday where I go and kind of toss people into the box and welcome back NHL season, by the way, speaking of the penalty box, and welcome to the NHL, uh, Connor Bedard. But, I mean, what a, what a grotesque-looking scenario that was and embarrassing to have Peralta even looking like that in that spot. I mean, that's brutal. 
Let me get to the Barrios thing because I've been wanting to hit this since it happened. And I, and I swear, I was trying to get my Wi-Fi and everything set up in this new place, uh, certainly for the kids so that they can have their rescue riders. Shout out to that and all their other little shows. But right after that was I just wanted to light up this whole Barrios scenario. So let's get into it. Urgency in the postseason is important. Urgency in the postseason to not let it go too far is important. I'll use the Dodgers and Dave Roberts where we just were in this conversation. And let's go back a few years. I'm covering a World Series. They're against the Houston Astros. Clayton Kershaw, who we just talked about. See the symmetry? I haven't lost my touch, I guess. When he is sitting there in a game that he could have feasibly started on short rest, and he's waiting in the wings, and here's you, Darvish, and you, Darvish, giving it up. You, Darvish, giving it up at one nothing. It's 2 nothing. It's 3 nothing. By the time they got Kershaw up and ready, it was 5 nothing when Darvish got out of there. In a game seven, Kershaw, go back to the numbers. It was either like three and two thirds, four and a third, three and a third, somewhere in that range. Go look of like one hit scoreless baseball. One of his best postseason outings. He's brilliant. But by then it was too late because Dave Roberts didn't have urgency. And I remember talking to him about that moment the next year and learning from that. That was his rookie run in that kind of spot as a manager at this level. Urgency is important with an eye test. To be able to see that what you had planned, we cannot do. Alex Cora, remember covering and watching that World Series where he's there and he's saying, no, I know Devers doesn't normally hit lefties, but we'll leave him in. He hits a big home run. Then later in the series, on multiple occasions, says, I'm going to start Steve Pierce against righties. And guess what? It nets him a World Series win and a World Series MVP award and honors as the most valuable player in that classic in October for Pierce, who was only supposed to be there at every team in the division, mind you, at some points in his career to go hit left-handers because you have to have urgency. And regardless of analytics, you have to have eye test. Now we've also, let's go back Dodgers, seen where it gets kiboshed, where it gets muffled. And it doesn't get muffled by the manager. It gets muffled by the organization. I don't care what, and I like Rosak is what he said. It gets muffled by the organization. Managers are built, especially in most of them, in the old school way, because a lot of them were players and came up as coaches, whether they were successful players at the big league level, they were failed players, and they played in the minors and always wished to get there. They got, they got, they got un, un, an ungodly amount of experience of going through it, and they're all feel guys because they feel it from the field. They use the analytics, and it should be used. But it should be used. It should not be a crutch. It should not be your fail-safe. It should not be your only thing, nor should an eye test be. And you're in a situation where the Dodgers, I'm covering her in a World Series, and I'm trying to remember exactly the specifics of this. This is against Red Sox. And here is David Price, who comes out of the, the pen in a game, and faces Bellinger in one at-bat where I think Bellinger got a hit, right? And then all of a sudden, when he sat there and turned around and made the start, Kike Hernandez, love Kike Hernandez, who doesn't? But he's hitting third in the lineup and Bellinger not there. And this, by the way, not resurgent, Cody, this year, not in the middle, I can't hit anything, throw me a ball in the dirt or a curveball, Cody, during those years with the Dodgers towards the tail end, this MVP-style Bellinger, and he out of the lineup, and I remember, I remember Dave Roberts' facial expressions as he tried to grit his teeth and explain to people that that was 
his decision, that he was behind it because he was not, because nobody was. It's like when people told me when Steven Strasburg was shut down initially, I don't care what you think about it. I had people call me, I had several people in that clubhouse telling me how incensed people in the national clubhouse were, and they could not believe it, and I dejected. And then I got people telling me, well, I'm an idiot for saying that on the air because of all the comments Davey Johnson and people were making about how they were behind the organization. What the hell you want them to say? You want the truth? I'm telling you, that was happening. Well, guess what? Dave Robertson decided to do that. Nobody in the Dodgers decided to do that, except the organization who decided to do that. And by the way, they're brilliant, Andrew Friedman, in that group, and they've done a lot of great things, but sometimes gotten in their own way as well. I think we all could admit that. So that sets the backdrop for this Barrios thing. Game two, Royce Lewis opens the fourth, got two lefties on deck. To that point in the game, three innings pitch, five Ks, three singles, two of them of the very weak variety. And John Schneider goes and pulls Barrios to bring in Kikuchi. And the bats come alive. A couple of things I want to point out here. A, how un- unbelievably, incredulously dumb this decision was. It's one of the worst managerial decisions or decisions by an organization or whoever the hell you want to pinpoint it on in the pie of blame. It is one of the worst decisions I have seen in a postseason, and I've been watching a bunch of them. Covered a bunch of them. That's how bad it is. And that's on first glance. That's not Monday morning quarterback. Now we're two weeks later, a week later quarterback. It's even worse. It's not aging well. But I remember talking to so many players over my career as a broadcaster telling me, about what their feeling was when a guy that they knew they owned in the bullpen would come in because the starter who was dominating was beyond a pitch count. How many times we saw it and how many times I was told to me. I'll give you some examples. Yankee players, when Joe Nathan came in, when they owned him during those times with the Twins and pitchers were pulled a little early or he came in for a save situation. Met players, when Drew Storen came in and Matt Williams put him in spots he shouldn't have been in, including the Giant players, when Jordan Zimmerman was dominating him and the exact same thing occurred in a playoff game. Told, real life, wake up. It's all of a sudden, it's that comfort level of that guy we can't beat is gone and now we got a chance. And that's what you gifted and plated and threw on a platter to this baseball team in Minnesota. An absolute disgrace. Schneider said, quote, it's tough to take them out there, but the way the Twins are, const- uh, the way the twins are constructed, you want to utilize your whole roster. I get you want to utilize your whole roster. To win the series, to win a must-win game in that spot, Your roster was on the shoulders of a guy who was absolutely shoving. And you handed them an opportunity to rise above that. That is absolutely, I mean, it's unconscionable. And Ross Atkins, who if you go back and listen to this presser, the whole thing drove me crazy. But this quote, there was not influence from the front office that factored into that. So you're telling me, I feel like I'm in my cousin Vinny right now. So you're telling me, the two youths, you're telling me, the sack of suds, 
You're telling me that John Schneider's watching Barrios deal. He's sitting there in a game that he's got a real good shot to win and counting down outs. And he decided on his own that it would be great in this spot to put Kikuchi in. Now, look, I'm not saying he's not part of it. I still think when Daryl Bevel, not to switch sports, decided to say Marshawn Lynch, who was averaging seven yards a carry, and I did postgame for that Super Bowl on radio. So I remember sitting there covering it. When Daryl Bevel is saying Marshawn Lynch is averaging 7.6 yards or something like that at carry, should not get the ball on the one, I still think Russell Wilson's partially at fault for not telling him to go screw himself and throwing the ball and handling the ball to Lynch anyway and deal with it. Because guess what? lot less egg on the face. So everybody gets the blame. John Schneider certainly is the manager. That's his job. But if anybody there to override it, it's him. But you're going to tell me he did all that on his own? You're going to lay him out like he had nothing to do with it? Now, what's John Schneider going to say? He wants a job. The GM is the one who fires him, right? He wants to keep his job. A lot of people think Schneider shouldn't keep his job. So if he's allowed to keep his job, and part of the deal is Ross Atkins and that crew going to put it like it was all on Schneider so they don't sit there and wear the egg on the face, what are you going to do? We're all going to say, well, you're going to sit there and eat it. And I'm not saying that this is what happened behind the scenes, but I'm just telling you we weren't born yesterday. You want to say it was a plan that was discussed beforehand and maybe he took it too literally? Maybe he took it too literally. But you want to act like you were surprised? You were as dumbfounded? You couldn't believe it the same way we couldn't believe it? Well, I don't believe you. I don't believe you. Sorry. A disgrace. Speaking of disgraces, the Mets season a disgrace. Let's get to that. Buck Showalter out. A lot of questions. Was it right? Was this because of Stearns? Was it Buck's fault? Let's get into some of that first. This was not Buck's fault. Everybody's at blame, and he's part of that. But to sit there and blanket, well, you went from 101 wins, and Buck was as big a reason you thought the culture had shifted positively, to now the team is a dumpster fire, and it's Buck Showalter's fault. You can't do that. He can't be both. Partially to blame is the manager. Yes. Certain situations I remember, like I think it was, I think I remember it was like lost 43 in the Phillies game where they're sitting there way earlier in the season and they got a three run lead in the eighth inning. And he, I mean, just completely botched the whole thing, handed the game away. There are a lot of those kind of things, right? All that. Yeah. He certainly got to own and wear some of that. And I'm sure he was wearing some of that. But it does not surprise me to hear the reaction the clubhouse wasn't good because you saw the love for Buck. And let me tell you something. Buck did a lot more good things than he did for this franchise than bad things. And anybody who doesn't think that is a moron. If you're a Met fan who doesn't understand that, you're a moron. Even if you think, and I think to answer the question, was it right, they might need a change of pace because it's a different team. Buck Showalter coming into a veteran team with a lot of expectation. Now... Apologies. Buck Showalter coming into a situation with a lot of expectations where he needs to win right now and needs to find a way right now and has all the veterans. That is one thing. That is one thing. But Buck Showalter being in a situation where he ends up with a lot of young players, with a team that is in transition, and with a new guy in David Stearns. It might be time to move on. Maybe at that point, it's time to move forward. 
I'll get into more of that in part two of this episode, episode 207. Splitting it into two parts, going to hit the Mets, get all, all of those things in there. Got some other sports stuff I want to touch on and uh, bounce around with you. In addition, want to get into some uh, Little League uh, coaching and, and talk about some of that as well, which I think for a lot of parents who are going through some of the things that I am here with my son. All that coming up in part two of episode 207 is good to have you back. And as always, we are back here in Unfiltered, presented by our good friends at Bet Online. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.